Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning. How are you? It's nice to see you. Don't, wait, God dang it. Don't at me is what we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. Don't at me. A lot of people atting me. Why does everybody want to at me? I'm just an old bald guy sitting in his basement, raising a little hell. You know what I mean? That's all. Nothing much to me. There's nothing here, nothing to see here, but everybody wants to at me. Don't at me, people. Uh, I got a lot to get to. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that 37 years ago today, on a beautiful, and I mean beautiful day in Bloomington, my man, Robert Montgomery Knight, threw the chair tossed across the country against Purdue. 37 years, I'm telling you, 37 years ago, I was spry. In fact, um, if we, we don't have the video, I don't think we can play video on here, but if we could, you will see me sitting two down from night, getting ready to go in the game with my hands like this. That's how my hands were. I got to tell you, what an unbelievable day that was. First off, let me just give you a little background. I know we're going to get into other stuff, college basketball. But the background on that game, if you know what I'm talking about, I know a lot of you do, first game Bob Knight did not wear a sport coat. Now, those of you that can go back into the 70s and 80s, 90s, uh, Knight started wearing a sweater, I don't know, like 80, when, 86, 87? Well, the first game he did not wear a sport coat in a regular season was that Purdue game. And he didn't exactly, I always thought he went like this to throw his sport coat. I could be wrong. I was watching the video today. That's in my mind. But he and Gene Cady used to throw sport coats and everything else. It was awesome. It was before all these little whiny ass people, you know, we all started losing our mind about coaches going nuts. And I'll get into that with Danny Hurley a little bit later. But anyway, my man Knight, he throws this chair. And honest to God, all of us on the bench didn't think anything of it. Now, that sounds sick to you, right? That's got to sound like, what is wrong with you people? Like, what, what is wrong? Like, how do you people have this kind of culture where a man throwing a chair across the court is no big deal? Well, let me explain it to you. Those chairs were red plastic chairs. They were not like they are now. They were not uh, locked down to the bench. So what happened was... After games, they would be stacked up on the side of the court. We didn't have in Assembly Hall at that time baskets going this way. There was a main court this way and then baskets on the side, which were about less than a half court in length from, from bucket from one side of the court to the other. So all these chairs were stacked up. Bob Knight's record was 52. He threw 52 chairs. Randy Whitman looked at me one time when we were in practice and he's throwing chairs and Witt was really smart and Witt was really an attentive guy and Witt was painted. He goes, oh, 35. And I'm like, what? You know, oh. this is like my freshman year. We got the 52. He was sweating. So when he throws the chair, we had seen him throw this chair numerous times. In fact, that year was my senior year. 
And I was kind of the guy, because I was a bit of a smartass, that the media went to. And they're like, Dan, what'd you think? I go, I don't think anything. I think we lost the damn game, and that's going to be bad. But I, And how silly is that now, right? Because I legitimately did not think anything. Nothing. And then all hell broke loose, right? He gets kicked off. Now is he going to be suspended? Is he going to be fired? What's going to happen? Got suspended. I remember we went to Iowa and got our brains beat out. And I'll tell you why that has impact on tonight's slate in college basketball. But 37 years ago, my boy throws a chair across the court. And it was funny as hell as I look back on it. Period. Really is. Um, But, hey, at the end of the day, it is what it is. If you haven't seen the video, do yourself a favor and go check it out. You'll like it. You know, it's just a guy taking a chair. Before we get into basketball, i got to ask you a question. And I I thank you all for watching. Would you, we're the Colts, Indianapolis, you got Pittsburgh. Uh, Who else is looking for a quarterback? Seems like Carolina is, Denver is. Would you mess around with Deshaun Watson? Would you mess around there? Would you say, hey, look, we're going to kick the tires on this. He's going to be deposed for, oh, I don't know, uh, nine of the cases. He wants all 22, so it's not a slow leak. Would you mess around with Deshaun Watson? We're going to get into that as we move through the day. All right? That's going to be interesting to me. But let's get into a little bit of college hoops, shall we? College hoops is heating up. College hoops is interesting. Last night, I've been telling you this and telling you this and telling you this. Iowa Hawkeyes, baby. The Iowa Hawkeyes are dangerous. I don't know if you saw this, but man, they took Michigan State, a team that you don't do this to. They took Michigan, excuse me, they took Michigan State out to the woodshed, and gave them the old what for. I mean, it went from like, all right, you're up six or eight, to all of a sudden you're up 28. And here's why Iowa is dangerous. You ready? Because they can score it. They can score the basketball. And anybody that can score the basketball, like Iowa can, we told you this going back to when they threw 110 up on Maryland. They scored 86 last night, 86 to 60 against Sparty. I want you to think about that for a second. Iowa, when they were doing the broadcast, remember Luca Garza, the human double-double? Luca Garza was talking to Benetti and Hummel during the game. He ain't playing. Joe Wieskamp went to the NBA. Uh, Joe Frederick went to Kentucky. He got hurt, unfortunately, for him. Iowa... Struggled early. Fran McCaffrey, I'm not so sure when we're all said and done, if you wait for the voting to be at the end of the year, I'm not sure that Iowa and Fran McCaffrey isn't the coach of the year in the Big Ten. In fact, you could make the argument that Fran McCaffrey is the coach of the year in the Big Ten. I don't know why you wouldn't make that argument. Seems like a pretty good argument to me. He lost all these guys. Not much was expected. His two kids are balling. And they got a kid, Keegan Murray, who, my God, his daddy was good, man. Kenyon Murray was good. I like Kenyon Murray. Kenyon Murray was from Michigan. I think I tried to recruit him a bit. 
A really athletic wing runner, but his two kids, golly, I'm just telling you, Iowa is a team to watch out for. Now, here's the problem with Iowa. They really haven't made a run in a tournament in a long time. And maybe I'm off on that, but I don't think I am. You can't be like I talk about teams. Have a regular season. We're rolling. Your team is fired up, right? Your school, everybody, you're fired. And then all of a sudden, it's like Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. You lose in the first or second round. You're on your ass. Next thing you know, we're talking about football. Can't do it. Won't have it. Can't do it. No, can't do it. Uh, Next one, Arkansas against Florida. Now, Florida, again, I'm giving you some hot teams here. Florida is one of those teams that had a problem backing up a win. Remember we talked about this a while ago? Florida had just beaten Auburn. I watched the game. Florida was pretty good. Garden like crazy. Well, last night Arkansas comes in. And let me give you what Arkansas has done here. You ready? They had lost three in a row going back to when they lost to Texas A&M. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and one in their last thirteen. You want a hot team? The must bus. The must bus is nice. JD Note is terrific. The must bus ain't afraid, baby. The must bus will come into your house and get you. And here's the beauty of Arkansas: they've got a great home court. They've got Kentucky at home coming up on CBS on the twenty-sixth. Bud Walton will be crazy. It's going to be the best, one of the best watches of the year. Today's the 23rd. Today's Wednesday, Thursday, 24th, Saturday. What time? 2 o'clock. I'm telling you. I don't know anybody but J.D. Note on that team, but I watched them last night. That's a badass squad. Uh Uh-oh. Let's talk Blue Bloods. Uh Uh-oh. Kansas. U.K. K.U. No, no, no. They're K.U. The Jayhawks, when last seen, at least by me, the Jayhawks were, as my father used to say, getting split. You're getting split. Man, your team got split last night. Uh, That means you got your ass beat. That means Kentucky came into Kansas and beat the living, you know what, out of the Jayhawks. Well, okay. I'm down with that. Now it's how you're going to bounce back. I was talking to Joe Lenardi yesterday, the guru. Joe Lenardi, you can like him, you can dislike him. That's on you. You you like him based on where he puts your team. We all understand that. Like me, you don't dislike me for any other reason that maybe I'm ugly, but number two, you know, I haven't always loved your team. Love my team. Love me. Anyway, um, Kansas got their brains beat out. But what does Kansas do? Kansas does what teams like Kansas or Kentucky or whoever. I'd like to say Indiana, but that ain't happening for us anymore. You do what those kind of big-time programs do. You bounce back and you bounce back quickly. So let me go to this to make sure I have it. Currently 12-2 and uh, in the Big 12. But look at this. Kansas, after getting their brains beat out by Kentucky, came back, won a couple. Then they got beat late at Texas. So what do they do? They just go on a little four-game win streak. Now they've got a big one coming up on Sunday, uh, Saturday at night at Baylor. It's going to be terrific. Terrific hoops. 
So anyway, Kansas State tries to run with Kansas. It ain't happening. Kansas goes off. This one, this last game, ladies and gentlemen, is in honor of one of my producers, Brendan Cook. Brendan Cook. I always say Brendan Cook. I got Jimmy Cook and Brendan King. And I always put them together. Long story short, he is a Panthers fan. The Panthers and the Preds last night. Two teams way over 500. Two teams that are playing their brains out. And every single time, every time, the Panthers get a big win. Into my studio walks Brendan King. Talking about the Panthers, baby. My daughter lives in Nashville. My daughter has gone to exactly zero hockey games that I took her to. Zero. Suddenly, my daughter is a big Preds fan. Well, the Preds decided, well, we're on a four-game losing streak. We're going to go play a team that's 35-10, and 10, and we're going to go in and whip their ass. That was pretty good. I'm telling you, man, teams that bounce back, and I'm going to get into that coming up here in a minute. All right, let me go to tonight. Duke and Virginia. Do you remember what happened last time? Duke and Virginia, left corner. Whap, Virginia, biggest win of the year for them. Duke and Virginia, monster game tonight. Monster game tonight. UVA, I mean, they are trying, they are battling, they are attempting to get into the NCAA tournament along with what seems like half of the teams in the world. But UVA tonight is going to fig- is going to at home catch the wrath of Duke. This is where Mike Shashevsky's great. Look, Tony Bennett is too. Don't get me wrong. But K's got more talent. So tonight what's going to happen is K's talent and determination and frankly K's pissed off because of the loss. Uh, there's a lot of piss them off here tonight by Duke. I would anticipate a good game, but I would anticipate, um, I think, somewhere between 7 to 10 Duke win. These are the kind of games that Duke doesn't jackass around with. I mean, let's be honest. They don't. You know it. I know it. They don't mess around. You shouldn't mess around. Away you go. Wisconsin-Minnesota. I'm going to two Big Ten games. One, we won't have a graphic for it. But Wisconsin-Minnesota. Minnesota won their last game at home. They won it by double digits over Northwestern. Wisconsin, we all know what happened. Wisconsin beat Michigan, the whole kerfuffle of uh, Juwan Howard. Everybody's losing their mind. Everybody's going crazy. Fine. All right. Well, now Wisconsin is battling. They're right there. They're tied for first in the Big Ten. Go get a W. On the road? Woo! Here's a bigger game, and I should have put it on the rundown. I didn't. I apologize, Dylan. But tonight, Rutgers goes into Michigan. Now, all eyes on Michigan, right? Back in 2008, I was an interim coach. Calvin Sampson got fired. I got the head coaching job at Indiana. Man, when I showed up at Northwestern, we didn't even practice. But I'd coached for 10 years. I'd coached, I don't know, 300 games as a head coach. This wasn't like new math to me. This wasn't like, oh, my God, this is so new. No. The only thing that was new was that I was walking in there, announced as the head coach, and and that um, I don't know what else was new. Oh, I know what was new. 
every single news outlet had a camera on me. Like, I'm walking off the bus. You know they get those shots where the camera's in front of you? I'm walking in. I got a cup of coffee. I got my little bag. You've seen the shots. Well, a camera guy's walking, but he's walking backwards, right? And he is going to fall over some bushes. As I'm, I'm like, yo, 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 yo. Don't know. He goes, oh, man, Dan, thanks. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that it would show me being a good guy. But Phil Martelli is the coach at Michigan. Let me explain this to you. Phil Martelli has been there. Phil Martelli has seen it. Phil Martelli has done it. Phil Martelli is absolutely not going to have any issue whatsoever tonight. If Rutgers goes in and beats Michigan, it is going to be for a few reasons. One, I don't care who the coach is, Rutgers is going to have to play well. They're going to have to play really well. Two, there is, and I, I experienced this, there is, ladies and gentlemen, a, what's the right word? A, uh, you are the substitute teacher. It's not overt, but it's inside, and you feel it. Phil Martelli, let me give you his record, 425 and 303. The dude ain't going to have any problems coaching this basketball game. Problem's going to be the players reacting to not having Juwan Howard either yesterday, day before in practice. I'm not sure if Juwan can coach it or at the game. That's going to be the bigger issue. That's going to be the more interesting issue. By the way, we got a monster today. Uh, Allison Williams is going to join us. We're going to talk about some cleanses. <laughs> Danny Plezak, those of you that listen to my radio show, Danny Plezak might be my best guest. He is with the MLB Network. We grew up together. He, he ended up leaving our high school after a sophomore year, went to Crown Point High School. First-round draft pick, 19 years in the uh, Major League Baseball. We're going to get to the bottom of this MLB stuff with DP. All right, let me go through a couple of things. And I, I'm not trying to be stupid here, and I'm guessing because I'm an easy guy to cancel. I'm guessing I can get canceled here. But I don't understand why Phil Mickelson said what he said, number one. Number two, why isn't Greg Norman in trouble here? Now, hold on here a second. Phil Mickelson, in my world, has gotten a lifetime that is beyond any of us that we could ever imagine. What did you guys say, $800 million? And now there is a tour in Saudi Arabia which is backed apparently by Greg Norman. And Mickelson basically came out and said, look, I can overlook everything going on in Saudi Arabia because we need to stir things up on our tour. Now, look, I don't exactly, I was talking to the guys off air. I don't exactly know. My sense of the new tour is I'm going to be paid X amount of dollars to just show up and play. The PGA Tour, they're like the last cowboys, the last gamblers. Hey, man, you miss a putt, that's $10,000, maybe more. You miss a putt in a major, that's a legacy. Are you kidding me? So I don't understand why Mickelson, you know, I know we all want to have change and we all think things are better and we're smarter than the room. I do it every day. But I don't really understand why Mickelson involved himself in this. At some point, you got to say, man, this is giving me a great life. Now, the Saudi tour, apparently, you can play in the majors because the majors are this. The majors, the Masters is guided by the people at Augusta. 
All right. The U.S. Open is the USGA. The uh, British Open is the, uh, the England folks over there. And then the PGA of America runs the PGA. So you don't have to be a member of the PGA Tour to play in the uh, majors. So that's why it's attractive to people. You make money. You don't have to make cuts. They're going to set you up. I mean, it's a Saudi prince or something like that. I mean, you're going to live a life that isn't worried about getting on a flight on a Monday to get to some pro-am on Tuesday. But I don't know why Mickelson involved himself. And I don't understand, if it is all about human rights, why isn't Greg Norman catching some hell here? I mean, I'm reading all this stuff today, and it looks to me like Greg Norman's backing this. Now, I got to say, like, if you're backing, if you're backing a, um, what's the right word? Um, If they're backing, if you are backing, the Saudi golf outing, you're rich. (laughs) I'm not trying to be a jackass. You're freaking filthy. You're flush. You're loaded. You're, I don't even know what you are. And if we are so worried about all these human rights, and I guess we should, I think we should be, but we don't seem to be when it comes to the NBA, do we? Do we even seem to care? That was odd. The other odd thing was this. Uh, Pat McAfee, I've told you, lives right over here. And Pat's great. Pat's show has emerged as the best show maybe in the country. I don't know. I think my show is the best show in the country. But all of a sudden yesterday, I don't even understand it, okay? I'm not sure how we go about it. But all of a sudden yesterday, on Tuesday, Aaron Rodgers makes his appearance. Now, Aaron Rodgers then talks about his cleanse. Now, I got to tell you, somebody asked me, have you ever had a cleanse? I've never gone anywhere to have a cleanse. Let me ask you guys on the uh, YouTube chat. Let me go to the YouTube chat here for a minute. Welcome, all you guys on the YouTube chat. Anybody had a cleanse? Anybody ever sat down? Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Sonoma or Hot Springs or anybody ever had a cleanse? I'll tell you one cleanse that I had. Got sick as a dog. I think it was sixth grade. I mean sick. Got down, I was like 120 pounds skinny. Got down to like 90 pounds. And I had to have an enema. Is that a cleanse? Raise your hand if you had a colonoscopy. I had a colonoscopy. That's definitely a cleanse. I mean, yeah, that's a cleanse. Like, I'm not out there at a Buddhist temple, or, or I'm not out there at a, I don't even know where they went. I don't know where he went, I shouldn't say. I'm not out there in the middle of a field. I did watch Yellowstone. Remember the guy on Yellowstone went into the mountains? Now, he didn't get a cleanse, but he sat in there. I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what Rogers did. My cleanse was right here, downstairs, because the bathroom was close. I felt lighter. But good for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had to explain all this because his Instagram post was very cryptic about whether he's leaving the uh, Green Bay Packers. People forget this about Aaron Rodgers. We forget that Aaron Rodgers is actually a Northern California guy. He's not sausage and cheese Wisconsin. Now, he's been there long enough that maybe he is. But he's one of those guys that will go up into the mountains. He may go see the Buddhists. He may go. My brother did it. My brother went and saw the Buddhists 
uh, in California because he just had to get away from everything. And I think he did. I think he had a food kind of, a juice cleanse. Does that sound right? Now, he's that. Like me, I don't know. Give me a colonoscopy, and that considers me a cleanse. (laughs) But good for Aaron Rodgers. See, when you got a lot of money and you're at that level of an athlete, you know what you got? You got a lot of, I don't, what, what's the right word? You got a lot of reasons to look into things to take care of your body. Like a cleanse to me in college was Taco Bell after a night out. La Bamba had burritos as big as your head. So I had a size eight. This is a size eight melon. Like, I don't know if I have a hat here, but if I had a baseball cap, I got to cut out the inside to make them fit. That's an eight. I used to put my head on the damn counter and say, hey, 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 fill it up. That would give me a cleanse the next morning. I wish Taco Bell would bring back the Mexican pizza. I don't know about you guys. I was never a chalupa. Late night, give me the Mexican pizza. You know what I got? A cleanse. In my day, it was Schlitz or Stroh's, PBR, Old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee Light was always our moving beer. That would give me a damn cleanse. But good for Aaron Rodgers. See, guys like Aaron Rodgers take care of their bodies in ways that we don't, but we should. I remember Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney before the Super Bowl in Miami. um, There was a question about his ankle. And I knew his guy. And his guy told me on Radio Row, hey, uh, Dan, Freeney's playing. I go, really? He goes, yep. He got this hyperbolic chamber. So I said, Freeney's going to play. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hyperbolic chamber. He had it in his house. Can you imagine having a hyperbolic chamber at your house? What the hell would you do with it? I don't even know. But I'm all in on it. Uh, would you take El Presidente, all my guys on the YouTube chat, would you take for your team, maybe not El Presidente because they got a quarterback. He lives in Cleveland. But would you take with the Colts? You're going to take Mason Rudolph with the Steelers? Okay. Would you right now, right now, take Deshaun Watson? He's going to be deposed for of the nine of the 22 civil cases. That's what he's going to be. He's going to be deposed. Nine of the 12. All right? Would you take him? Now, remember. Remember, I am curious about what's going to happen with the other 13. I am curious. I'm curious about what's going to happen with any kind of legal issue that he has. But, but, and we all know this, teams are talking. Like, I thought, no way. If you're going to ask me, no way am I the Colts, am I touching this? But, man, I think I'm in the minority. I didn't think I would be, but I honestly think that I am in the minority on this. I think people would say yes. See, I look at it this way. I look at it like, you know, when he was quarterbacking that last year, they won four games, and he was the quarterback. Now, everybody says they are a mess. That's easy to say. You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, nobody's going to win with Houston. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
But I saw him fumble a snap on the goal line to beat the Colts, and then I saw another bad exchange. I don't think it was his fault the second time to lose to the Colts. I don't think it was. I don't know. I'm fascinated by this story because I do think once you get through whatever it is, and everybody says all the legal stuff is going to happen in March, I do think he'll have a ton of guys ready, rocking and rolling, ready to go. I do. I think he will. Last thing, interesting, J.J. Riddick. J.J. Riddick um, called basic, well, not basically, he called out, he did, he, he called out Zion Williamson for being a detached teammate. I don't think he said he was like fat. I don't think he said he was, uh, what's the right word, a bad teammate. I just think he said he was a detached teammate. You know, and he criticized him for not reaching out to C.J. McCollum, who was traded there. Here's the deal in the NBA. In the NFL, the quarterback, it's kind of your team. Peyton Manning would get with receivers and work out before their press conference, okay? In the NBA, you don't have to be the quarterback, or excuse me, you don't have to be the point guard, the big You know, Brad Stevens uh, said to me one time, he goes, Dan, there's like, I don't know, pick it, 20, 25 superstars in the NBA. Maybe 15, depending on who's there. Everyone else is a role player. Now, you can be a Hall of Famer as a role player. You can be a big scorer. Maybe your thing is scoring as a role player. Maybe it's rebounding. Maybe, I don't know, blocking shots. I don't know. But when Brad said that, I thought to myself, interesting. Well, if you are one of the 20 to 25, whatever the number is, in, in any given year, superstars, and you are given the keys to the city, there's a responsibility there. And that's all J.J. Reddick was saying. Hey, look, the world owes... The world owes Allison Williams an apology, still. We're going to get into Allison Williams. Thoughts on cleanses. Uh, thoughts on the reaction. She covered the Big Ten. Jawan Howard and what that whole thing came down to. Draft prospects at the Combine said, screw you. We're not going to be in close. And then, of course, the latest on her show. Stay right here. Allison Williams next. Danny Plezak at 1030. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, last week, the great Charles Barkley came on, and he got on a roll. And, you know, you can't stop Charles when he was on a roll. The unfortunate thing was Allison was supposed to come on, and I didn't get to her. So I must apologize to you right now, <laughs> Allison, for being a jackass. I was like Johnny Carson, right? Like, what are we doing? But when Barkley gets on a roll, as you said, that's, that's hard to slow down, no, that train. That thing for was your <laughs> your own well-being and for the the viewers and listeners enjoyment i think that was the right decision by you and it was funny because when um i was waiting to hop on with you and i was kind of seeing who was on and checking twitter blah blah, blah. i was like wait a minute barclay's in front of me like first of all totally unfair making me follow him and then i'm like second of all i have a feeling this right. might go a little long <laughs> so all good he uh he wanted to he wanted to talk he told me later he goes dan you don't understand 
I got nothing to do. He was in Cleveland for the All-Star game. He was just sitting there, you know. But anyway, thanks for joining us. America still owes you an apology. I'm going to get to that in a minute. All right. I just talked about you're, you're a California gal now. You're not, you know, you, the roots yes. are in Michigan. We get that. College in Miami. All right, we understand <laughs> that. But you're a California gal. Walk us through what is this cleanse that Aaron Rodgers is all about? What is okay, this? I, I have to look at this. Actually, I just saw the headline. Remember, it's 630 in the morning here. So I think, it, yeah, the oh, yeah, show was yeah. yesterday. And I just literally saw like a paragraph on it. I know it involves ghee, um, which is essentially clarified butter. What? <laughs> yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, G-H-E-E. It's really, really good for you. Um, you can put it in your coffee. You can cook with it. Um, I actually, okay. So full disclosure, when my son was very little and we were introducing salads to him, one of the first foods I would make for him was chicken liver and I would cook it in ghee because liver is like one of the most nutrient dense foods you can consume. And when they're very small, their stomachs are small. So anything they put in it has to be incredibly nutrient dense. So his first foods were literally avocado, um, banana and chicken liver cooked in ghee, which apparently is part of the Aaron Rodgers cleanse. That's all I know about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so walk me through this, though. Uh, have you ever done oh, a yeah. cleanse? I do one, actually. Uh, when I'm not pregnant, I do one every year with my husband. But it's not a crazy one. It's just like a, it's a fresh start thing. You take some stuff in the morning and in the evening before you eat, and then you eat really clean. And I'm, they work. Like, they're good. I've done a juice cleanse. Um, I know for, I have very good friends who do a water fast and they, he doesn't eat or drink anything but water for 10 days. Um, her, his wife does it for like three days and nothing but water. So I've done a few, I've done, I haven't done any like super crazy extreme ones, but, um, I think they're good for you. I think they're good to kind of reset your body. What, what does it mean? What does it mean that a cleanse centered Aaron Rodgers? So one of the things people forget about is the gut brain connection, right? Um, it's been linked with autism and a lot of um, mental issues with people is related to their brain, whether it be anger or brain fog um, or sorry, is linked to their gut. So people, if you listen to like um, kind of like more holistic based doctors, first of all, everything's connected, but they'll tell you like in a lot of ways, the gut is your second brain. So if he's feeling more centered and clearer on things, he could have eliminated some of the brain cause brain fog caused by some of the toxins we ingest in our food and our water um, and so forth. So I think there's absolutely a connection between what you eat and how you feel, how you think, um, the clarity you can feel. And people say that all the time. I mean, it's like, they, they talk about how they feel. Um, I, I think a more sense of clarity is probably an easier, di more digestible way to put it than centered. Um, I think that makes a little more sense to people. But yeah, maybe he feels like he's seeing things more clearly now that his body is functioning more efficiently and cleanly. I get that. I, I get that too. You know, like I'll be honest, it just makes me mad. I mean, I'm a, ever since the Super Bowl, I'm in a no carbs thing, and it just like I'm yeah, because you're I'm craving married. it, right? It's nuts. So mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. that takes a while. So yeah, it's been a week. I've right. lost weight. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm, it's interesting. Some people, the people that really need a cleanse, honestly, a lot of times, um, like for example, my mother-in-law and her husband went on the same one my husband and I do, and they quit after two days because they just they felt so terrible. They had headaches. Um, 
they, they just felt like crap. And I'm like, well, yeah, cause your body's releasing toxins. Like that's, that's what's happening. That's unfortunately it's part of the process. The more toxins you have to release, the worse you're going to feel. And then you turn a corner until, you know, you start to really feel better, but a lot of times it gets worse before it gets better. But yeah, that, the, I mean, your body, like the sugar um, and carbohydrates, they act like a drug for your body. Your brain responds the same way to sugar as it does to um, cocaine and other really highly addictive substances, but we just classify them differently. But to your brain, it's, it's addictive. It's pretty much the same. Well, you've been around athletes, and I'm trying to tell people, man, athletes, you can say whatever you'd like. Oh, they got the world by the what's and whatever. But athletes and things like this, I talked about Robert uh, or, or uh, Dwight Freeney. You know, he had a hyperbolic chamber in his house. You know, there's things that where they say that LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his body, right? I mean, that's, that would be the equivalent of spending a million dollars a year on your staff or on your office or, you know what I mean, on trips, because that's his business. Now, no surprise that there are some things. Is there any other thing that you've heard an athlete do that's a little bit odd? Mm, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think off the top of my head because they do. I mean, they get on different kicks, right? Like they hear one thing works or another thing works and they'll, they'll ride it out. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of like the most bizarre ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, people at any new therapy, like the cold therapy, all that, like the um, hyperbaric chamber, like you said, um, but that's their, that's their investment. Did you ever do that? I did. I did at um, TCU. It was, it was good. I liked it. I What'd liked you think? it. Um, it. It felt like an eternity in there. It was slightly painful, but I felt like reinvigorated and I felt like I slept really good that night. And yeah, my sister just did a polar plunge up in Michigan. I feel like that's kind of the equivalent of that, right? Like <laughs> you jump in a frozen lake or in a more sophisticated, yeah. um, whatever it was like negative 200 degree chamber. Um, I, I liked it a lot, actually. I did too. And I almost forgot to put the oh, socks no. on. You got to put the socks on or else you burn <laughs> yes. your toes. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 Dan, you got to put the socks on. I go, oh, yeah, you're right. God, no, thank you. But you do, it, it, swe it, it de-swells you or whatever yes. the right word is, right? Yes. yes. No, I'm all for it. I'd take one yeah. of those. All right. Or red light therapy. I, 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 I got to get no on this red light it. therapy train. You heard about this? What's red light therapy? So red light, so nope. we see way too much and are exposed to way too much blue light with all of our screens and our phones and then all of our fluorescent lights in our house. So red light therapy counters it and it's supposed to stimulate like collagen production. Um, it's supposed to help your body heal. It's supposed to like activate all these different things. And basically you go in a dark room and you, you use like, it looks almost, there's a few different ones, but the ones I've seen look like a tanning panel, but they're red light therapy. And it's supposed to, I don't know, do some wizardy cool shit. I got to try it out. I went out to Calistoga. You know what Calistoga yeah, is? Yeah, isn't that out here? Yeah, yeah. So my ex-wife and I, we go out. And the water, the Calistoga waters are like legendary, right? So we go and she goes that way to the women's. I go this way. We're going to get the whole thing. Mud bath, all this kind of stuff, right? Honest to God, Allison, I get in the mud bath, and all I can think of was how many guys have crapped and peed in here. That's all I could think of. That's it. I had to jump right out. I, I couldn't. I, You're not I relaxing in that. I, 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 <laughs> no. No. I'm thinking in this mud. I'm like, what, you think they just cleaned this no. out for me? <laughs> they just cleaned this out for me. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I uh, I remember the first time I took oh. my husband to um I well we went to like a spa at a hotel and he had never gotten a massage before. I mean he was in his forties had never gotten a massage. So <laughs> we have a couple's massage scheduled and um, I'm waiting for him because I'm on time and uh, they're like yeah we don't we don't know where. <laughs> is so what do you mean go find him so they send the male masseuse into the men's locker room he's like hanging out in the hot tub they're like okay well we're ready for you you know you can come on in he comes in and they're like all right you know you start here you start here face down blah blah, blah. and um they're like you can undress and yeah right like you know the routine so I do and I lay down and he's like why are you naked I'm like what do you mean I'm getting a massage I look over he's got his ball cap on and his swim trunks and I'm like, Sam, what? Like, no, you have to take those off. He goes, what are they going to do? Massage my head? He's not going to touch my ass. Why do I not? Like, you have to. Right, right. I just started laughing so hard. Yeah. I had no idea what. To, I mean, guys are just so out of place in those situations. I freaking love it. Um, so, yeah, once I explained to him. And he was, when he was face down, when he was face down in that hole, all he had to do was turn his <laughs> exactly. head around. He Put was it on backwards. <laughs> Which is what he usually does. He I never takes it. his hat off. Right. So he was very like, okay, wait a minute. It's one thing if I gotta take my trunks off, put my hat. <laughs> no. What are we doing here? That when I had the swoosh, when I had all this going, I'm like, I ain't taking that hat off unless I got the Gene Katie lacquer going. It'd be over here. You know where that thing's gonna be when you take it off. Oh, that's awesome. Hey. And that thing, well, that thing can take a hard <laughs> ride on you. Now I got to do all this, and next thing you know, hey, uh, you covered the Big Ten forever. You are a Michigan gal from just outside. Juwan Howard, the head coach of Michigan basketball, takes an over-the-top shot. What were your thoughts? Man, bad, 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 bad on every level. Um, disappointing, uh, concerning. I just, I just kept thinking, like the example you know, he's setting and the accountability that we have for our student athletes and, and the way we expect them to deescalate situations and to walk away and remove themselves from situations. And the way he handled that, I just, there's, there's no explanation. There's no, there's no, um, trying to make it seem like he had any, any sort of justification for what he did. And it, it was, it was bad. It was a really bad look for Michigan. It's a bad look for Jawan Howard. Um, I'm not, I'm not buying like the bullshit end of game, unwritten basketball rules. Like, come on. Like you're, you're pissed at him for calling a timeout. Well, you're pressing like, like, like we have unwritten rules in baseball and we kind of know what they are. And they make sense because they involve missiles being thrown at your head, like 90 miles an hour. Like there's a reason you kind of need those unwritten rules, right? In basketball. No, like, okay. You don't like the move. Fine. Just quick comment, whatever move about your day. Like I just, I, I don't think there is any way, um, you can kind of justify what he did. And, and I think it sets a terrible example for his players. And I think it puts them in an awkward situation in the future when they do something they shouldn't have done. And he talks about accountability and, and, you know, being the bigger man and all those things. And, and he was none of them. Um, so really just an unfortunate incident. I, I, I like him a lot as a person. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him, but it's just something that absolutely cannot happen as a head coach. You know, I always make fun of my son who went to Michigan, graduated from Michigan. I always say, you know how you know somebody went to Michigan or Notre Dame? And I always say, because in the first two they minutes, tell they tell you they went to Michigan or Notre Dame, <laughs> yes. right? It's like, yes. 
So hey, shut up, Dad. <laughs> but, you know, the Michigan man thing, and he preaches that, that's a bit of an issue. Like, I understand people make mistakes. But if you're going to preach that, you can't win challenge on what you're preaching right. fail that challenge. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, your actions speak louder than your words. And you have to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the suspension was justified. I, I do think it was right to to um, to keep him out the rest of the regular season. I, I'm I'm not of the opinion that he should have been fired. Um, but I do think there needed to be a strong and swift punishment. And I think, um, yeah, I think there, I think he needs to have a long conversation with himself and, and how he allowed himself to be put in that situation and, and react the way he did. Um, because it's a terrible look for the university for him. And, um, he's, he's got to have a little more awareness in that situation. I do not, however, I don't know where you're at on this. I think you might be on the other side. I don't think we should do away with the handshake line. I'm you on are the on the other side. side. I just think it sends a bad <laughs> message. Well, all right, tell me why. Tell me why it should go. Well, people think the handshake line's been there forever. Mm -hmm. It hasn't. When I was playing, it wasn't. And we did, I, I don't even know. I remember all of a sudden I'm doing, I'm like, what are we doing? Uh, you know, after a game, you'd go find a guy, give him a hug. My high school teammate played at Purdue. I played at Indiana. We always, hey, man, good luck, blah, 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 blah. Uh, coaches went and shook hands. Um, a lot of people say, you know, I, personally, I, I don't really care. I mean, let me, let me yeah. back up a second. But I do know this. I, I do know here is a handshake line in the Mid-American Conference, okay? And this drove me nuts. Game, 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 game. You know, nobody's – and finally I would get tired of I go, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and I taught my players, like, shake hands. But I don't think it makes you a man. I've had people say, well, you know, you got to look the other guy in the eye to be a man – Allison, I, I, there's a lot of other ways to be a man, and we never had a problem just finding a guy. And hey, man, or leaving if you wanted to leave. Great game. I'll yeah. talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the one of the coolest things. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you get to you in a second. But one of the coolest things that I saw, and I actually did this a couple times when I was a high school junior. I was recruited by Indiana, and the first game I ever went to Indiana, I'm not Southern Indiana guy. Uh, you know, I grew up watching DePaul. I was from Chicago area. But I go to Assembly Hall, and it's a Big Ten championship game, 1980. Indiana with Isaiah and Mike Woodson wins the championship. They beat Ohio State. Crowd's crazy. All this stuff happens. Knight invites my, bro my brother, my dad, and myself into the locker room. We're standing there, right? We're like, oh, crap. I mean, this is pretty cool. Well, Knight talks to the team. The players are going to go in the shower, whatever. And all of a sudden, here comes two guys. I think it was Clark Kellogg and Herb Williams. I know it was Herb Williams for sure. And they came in to congratulate and hug the Indiana mm -hmm. guys. And I always thought that was really cool. I, I did. And I get why people want the handshake line. It's just the Mac handshake line. No one even look at each other. It was like there's only – bad things going to happen here, but go well, ahead. I understand that argument. I would just say, I think to get rid of it for these reasons sends the wrong message. So if you're going to say this, like, Agreed. because it just teaches people and, and young men that, okay, no accountability. This is a difficult situation. Remove yourself from it. And I think there's enough examples of that um, within our current sports landscape, right? Especially in, on the college side. So I don't like the message it sends if the NCAA were to come out or the Big Ten were to come out and say no more handshake lines. That basically says, okay, this is hard. This is difficult and uncomfortable. And instead of dealing with it head on or 
hand on. <laughs> we're gonna, we're just gonna get rid of it. So I don't, I don't like that they do it for those reasons. I do understand, like, okay, at its core, is it necessary? What's the point of it? Does it serve its purpose? Like, we could have that conversation. And to your point, I think there would be something, um, you know, more meaningful that could come out of the natural interactions that occur post game between, you know, maybe it's two opponents that face off all game and want to show some mutual respect. Um, and that could be more impactful and meaningful and lead to better moments. Uh, but I think to get rid of it now because of this is a bad message to send to, to young athletes. I should have prefaced this. I've been saying this for you five have, years. Yeah. So this isn't, I, I, I agree with you. I agree to all of a sudden say, well, yeah, we got two. Instead of solving the jackassery, right. <laughs> we're getting rid of, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with that point. I do agree with that point very strongly that, you know what, just because these idiots acted like idiots or what, and it's not just them. I mean, we've mm -hmm. seen high school kids punch, you know, just because people can't act right. Don't, don't do it now. I agree with that. But I have been saying this on Twitter and other places. Get rid of this thing. It, I don't know. It used to drive me <laughs> nuts. I, yeah. Um, this is right okay, up your you alley. Got? So in my city of Indianapolis, okay, the combine comes at the, at the beginning of next month, March. And the combine here in Indianapolis, the people that run it decided this big list of rules for a bubble. And what happened was all of the guys that came to the combine were going to have to be in this very restrictive, feels like three, two years ago, NBA mm -hmm. bubble. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. You, and agents of about 150 players said, screw you. We ain't doing this. We'll do our own uh, combine at yeah, our school. Well, next thing you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Y yes. Next thing you know, whoa, 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 we backed up. I, I've been so critical of this. Allison, sick, I've said this all the time. 60,000 people in the same building, Lucas Oil, without a mask, watching a Colts game, without a Vax card. You, and there's no problem. But all of a sudden, these guys, I was glad to see that thing change. I was so relieved. I, first of all, um, the bubbles were horrible. So I covered the um, NCAA tournament in your fine city last year. And that was like mentally incredibly challenging for these guys, for their coaches, not seeing their kids or families. Like I, I walked away from that experience like, damn, because what we asked of them was so unprecedented. And to not be able to see friends or family for that long of a time, I don't think was good for their mental well-being personally. Granted, the combine is not that long, I understand. But this notion of like, we're going to bubble in 2022, like really, because that's what's necessary, because we don't have other precautions that we can take to keep ourselves safe, because we don't know by now that anybody that has a vaccine or needs a vaccine or wants a vaccine has access to a vaccine. So either, I, I just, I don't understand either the vaccines work and we need to get back to normal or they don't. And we need to acknowledge that we still need these restrictions because it just doesn't make any sense. Um, these are not high risk people. They're young athletes. I'm sure some of them have their own, you know, pre-existing health conditions that they've learned to manage and take the necessary precautions to keep themselves safe. But I'm proud of them collectively knowing that they have the power to take a stand and that they have a voice and that when they band together, they can affect change. And I think it's a great example for people throughout our society. If you aren't comfortable with the restrictions being imposed um, on you, on your children, on, um, on your neighbors, then you need to band together and voice that because you can affect 
change and it's happening. And this is a, a small example of it, but this is an example where you would think, okay, the NFL's in charge. They're this big corporation. They have all these lawyers and this is their rule. We have to abide. Well, no, if enough of you stand up and say, no, we're not doing this bullshit, guess where the power resides? It resides with you. And I think that's a good message for all of us as Americans, whether we're employees or what our position is, your power, the power resides with you because if you don't show up to work collectively, you organization a group, organize a group that that collectively stands up and walks out and refuses, things change and the, the restrictions change. So I'm relieved to see that the NFL woke up and the uh, Players Association supported, you know, these guys. And um, it, it was the right move. It wasn't justified. They were restricted as far as who they could have, like with their own medical staff and where they could be. I mean, it was just absolutely foolish. Every, every restriction was just foolish and unjustified. And I'm glad that they took a stand and said like, no, we're not playing along with this anymore. We all, we all have to stop playing along at this point. The ones that don't make any sense, the hypocrisy, we need to start calling out and just say, no, like we're not doing this shit. And um, you're right. They could have just gone to their universities and done their pro days and the draft would have gone off just the same. And I think the NFL woke up to um, who really kind of they needed to be listening to in this situation. And I'm glad they reversed it because it was just like, really, in 2022, we're going to bubble a bunch of healthy athletes. But never mind the Super Bowls being played and the, you know, the big events are going off all across the country. And that's no problem. But we're going to mask kids on Mondays in schools and we're going to bubble 22 year old healthy young men. Like, give me a break. This, it's just stupid. I can't I can't even. <laughs> You would be proud of the lovely Lee Ross Dockage, may I tell you. She, because of the discounts, and you'll understand this, I certainly understand this, she works at a women's clothing store named Athleta. Oh, yes. You know Athleta? Yes, Athleta. It's like, it's like, yeah, everybody loves it. So she's working there, and she has not mm -hmm. been vaxxed. Long story short, she gets a thing. She shows up at work on Monday. Today's Wednesday. Yeah, Monday. And they say, hey, look, Lee. Nobody has to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask because you're unvaxxed. And she said very politely, and she's like their star employee. She's one employee of the yeah. month and all these awards. She's like, you know what? I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make my personal decision and make me a target. I know my immunities or my antibodies, and they're better mm -hmm. than yours or anybody. And she was yeah. very nice. I, my, my tone is always terrible, as you well know. She was She was very nice. And... The lady was really nice at Athletic. Long story short, she said, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the manager called her, said, look, can you, can you just call corporate headquarters? And so Lee called. She asked for an exemption. And I know you mm -hmm. dealt with this. They opened her with open arms. She went back, didn't have to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. She stood up. And, and you know. I think people need they to start doing to. that to they your have point. They have to, Dan, um, because it's not going to end until we do. And we've seen it with the multiple boosters. It was like, just get vaccinated. We'll get back to normal, right? And then now it's okay. Now you need three shots to be, and then that's going to be four, and it's just going to keep going. And and it's discrimination what's happening right now in these restaurants that, like, the unvax have to wear masks with the vaccinated. I mean, it's it's straight up discrimination. So I'm I'm uh, that's awesome. And I'm glad to hear that they accommodated her because I thought I was gonna have to go burn my athletic leggings after this. And I'm glad to hear that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've had to boycott no, all these brands that I know. love. Like they're requiring this vaccine <laughs> and I don't believe now. And they're, you know, like I can I can support a company who I don't believe with on certain things, but like on something like this, if you're forced vaccinating your employees and doing this mass bullshit to them, like I'm not supporting you anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. So um, Carhartt's out. There's a few others, but I'm glad Athleta can stay. 
Thank you, Steph. <laughs> you know, truthfully, we, we used you as an example um, because she was asking me, she goes, what do you think will happen? I said, well, with Allison's case, the people that she worked with on a personal level, correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, yeah. were great. But then when it went up the corporate chain, HR, whatever HR is, then it became an issue and it was, you know, yes. untenable, yes. right? And hers, I told her, I said, get ready for that. Right, because Athleta is a Huge. big company, and she's she did. They responded wonderfully. It was very shocking because of your, frankly, because of your, uh, your situation is what kind of we use well, as a template. I, I appreciate that, and I'm just glad it worked out in her favor. And I'm we glad did. there can be some common sense and some humanity still. And um, you know, if we're going to follow the science, we need to follow the science. And and um, it doesn't justify the mask wearing and it doesn't justify the segregation and the discrimination and all that that we're seeing. So I'm super glad it worked out for her. And honestly, I thought it was the lucky ones because she's a badass. So um, they probably didn't want to see her go. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's no, really no, no, good. No. We ain't losing Lee. <laughs> they said that, they, you know, yeah, they said, you know, and she wrote a really nice letter and they, they said exactly that. Let me, I, 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 I didn't have this plan to talk to you, but now that we're talking here, I want to, I want to get to this. Um, why is it, everybody complains about it, and you're the smartest person I know on this, why is it that we had a Super Bowl of the Unmasked? Why is it that we had at Lucas Oil Stadium, again, the same place they were talking about the Combine, no, I went to two games. I did not have to wear a mask. I didn't have nothing. And then, as you said, the school down the street, Emanuel High School, you've got to wear a mask. You've got to be six feet apart, literally, down the street. Why is it this way? Why were why money. why what what is it's happening money. here? It's money and it's power. Um, so something people don't realize is that there is a tremendous amount of money being awarded to schools and school boards and school districts that can show that they are complying with COVID nineteen policy. So they are basically bribing your school boards to keep your children masked and distanced. And what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we have all this COVID money for schools to get them back in person and to implement um, the necessary precautions to do so safely, et cetera, et cetera. But the only way you get that money is if you show that you are enforcing mask wearing and social distancing and improved, um, you know, air vent circulation and different measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So you have a shit ton of money being thrown at school boards to impose these restrictions. And then you have a teacher's union that um, has become way too powerful. And basically you see the districts and school boards cowering to their whims. So instead of listening to parents, who the majority of which I think when you go to these school board meetings, I know my sister just went the other night, all speak out against the mask mandates and just want choice. Like if you want to mask your child, if you feel like your child's better protected, then so be it. Um, but it's full, a full on money and power display. I just, I can't figure out why, like, why are they wanting to do this to our children? Because they are not at risk of this virus. I, I mean, I understand there are children that are immunocompromised that could be, but that's no different than, than being exposed, whether it's pneumonia or the flu or anything else that children get exposed to, so they're gonna always be at a higher risk. It's, un, it's incredibly unfortunate. Um, but the death rate for children under 18 is like one in 200,000. I mean, you're more likely to drown or be accidentally poisoned or in a car accident. I mean, the, the, there's just, the risk is not there to justify what they are doing to our kids. And there's no accountability um, or consideration given to the mental harm that it's doing and the delays that it's caused, the developmental delays that it's causing. And not to mention the, um, the mental anguish that kids are suffering through and they are suffering. Um, so I, I think it's money, I think it's power. And I think school boards are 
are being essentially bribed to go against what the parents want and what they know is best for the kids. And it's so wrong. And I just, I cannot wrap my mind around how people aren't, um, how they're so like quiet on this and just complacent and go along with it. Like, how are you not up in arms and furious and, and yelling at the top of your lungs and calling out the hypocrisy and demanding answers? Like, like they need to be demanding answers as to why they are doing this. Show me the data that shows that mask mandates are slowing the spread in schools because it's not there. Um, and, and I, I just, I can't wrap my mind around why people who I understand there are people who want them. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who are more in the middle and don't really like it, but are just being silent at this point. At this point, if you're silent, you're complying and you're part of the problem because we need every voice now. And we need every person to take a stand and demand answers and, and accountability and explanations. Um, because what they're doing to our kids at this point is criminal. I read somewhere where, I don't know who it was. It, I wish I'd written it down. I really, I didn't know we were going to get into this or I'd have written it down. Somebody that was a head of a school board said, no, our kids like wearing masks. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I don't, then those are some rare and, kids, man. I can't imagine. Could you no, imagine? I will say school? though, Dan, it's interesting. Um, the psychological impact it has. So my sister has um, two girls and one is, 13 and one is eight and the eight-year-old is like the 13 year old hates it i mean despises it rips it off but they're in texas so they haven't been wearing one for a while and they want wore one for a very short period of time but the eight-year-old is like whatever like she almost thinks of it part of their outfit like it's a it's so interesting when they are that young and impressionable they can um yeah, they can kind of get behind it and they'll get behind anything. They don't, I mean, to say they like it, those insane. And guess what? If you say that, like, hey, some of them like it, great, they can wear it. They can wear it. They just shouldn't be forced to wear it. They like it. They want to wear it. Good for them. That's their choice. Let them wear it. Nobody should be forcing them to wear it. But if you see any of the videos of like the classrooms of kids when they hear that they don't have to wear a mask and they erupt and yeah. rip them off. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, my other sister <laughs> of two, um, the one in Michigan, our school district kept the mask mandate and she gave her seven-year-old the option. She said, we can switch school districts and we can go to a different school. You and your brother, this was the, this was the morning school start started. Cause she got an email the night before they had a spot for both of them. And she gave her seven-year-old the option. She said, you can go to your high, your elementary school where you've been going your whole life, where you know, all your friends, you've met all your teacher, you're going to have to wear a mask or we can go to the neighboring school district and you don't. And she said, I know it's a really difficult choice, but I, I, you're a big girl now and this is your your life and this is, I want you to make this decision. And she stormed off. She came back five minutes later and she said, we're going to Pinckney. I don't want to wear a mask. She woke her brother up and said, William, get ready. We're going to Pinckney and you don't have to wear a mask. And they were like, <laughs> hell yeah. And they switched schools. I mean, they left their friends. Yeah. They switched schools. They're out. They're like, we're not doing this anymore. And um, yeah, so great. If your kid likes wearing a mask, cool, good for them. Let them, but don't force mine. We have no, we, 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 that, do you know how hard that is for a little kid? Like, like that is so hard to leave your mm -hmm. friends, right? Your friends and your mm -hmm. comfort and. She didn't know a soul. Like, uh, hey, when, what's going on with your, that's unbelievable. Like I am the homebody. I am the guy. I didn't want to go to college because <laughs> I'm like, I want to go. I, I like being here. I like, I like being around. Uh. What's, I swear to God, like people ask me, you know, they make fun of me. Well, you got fired at ESPN. Uh, I go, greatest thing ever. I love my Saturdays. I don't, I got to fly uh, tomorrow <coughs> and I'm telling you wearing a mask. Oh. I, oh, I hate mm -hmm. it. I, I don't dislike it and I don't hate many things, but I hate I that. Too. 
I hate it. What's up with your show? We're getting there, Where man. Are we going? End Where of the we month. Um, we're going to start production. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're finally getting there. We're shaping together. It'll be like a three-part kind of docu-series type deal. Um, and it, it's finally coming together. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into this thing. February 28th is like our start date. And I'm um, going to be hopefully doing a bunch of sit-down interviews with people across the country and kind of diving into the division that we're seeing in sports and the bias that we're seeing in sports media. I mean, just look at like what Michelle Tafoya has been um, called and accused of since kind of speaking out on her beliefs. And like, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we pushing everybody, you know, to have an opinion, but it's gotta be the same opinion. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're going to get the ball rolling and I'm excited just to get back out there and like use that part of my brain again. I don't know if I still have it. <laughs> I'm hoping it's still in there somewhere. Um, but I'm, I'm excited that it's finally here. It's been several months in the making, but I think I've got a really good um, team of some really smart people behind me. And I think we're going to do something that will hopefully make people just think like, we don't think we have the answers, but we just, we just want to ask some questions and hopefully give some people um, an opportunity to kind of think for themselves about the current state of our sports media world. Last thing, so people understand, where can they find it? When it'll be on the Daily there? Wire. It'll all be on the Daily Wire. So it'll be probably exclusive to Daily Wire members, which if you're not, you should be, um, because the content is phenomenal on that site. But um, yeah, it'll all be through through Daily Wire. So I'm excited to kind of, uh, I'll keep you posted as we go, but I'm excited to do something different. And I think people, I think people will be, um, like, like some people are going to be pissed and going to call me an asshole and names and, and things like that. And that's fine. But I think ultimately, I hope they realize that we just want to, we just want to expose the truth and we just want to have honest, open, candid conversations with people. And then they can make their opinions from there. Oh, the beauty of being called an asshole by people hiding behind a keyboard. <laughs> Welcome to our lives, Allison Williams, you and me. <laughs> hey, uh, have a great rest of your day. And thanks for the time today. As, as always, that's thanks, phenomenal. Man. It's good to see you this week. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm dying here as we sit here. Uh, thanks, A-Dubs. That's Allison Williams. We went over because we got to go over. <coughs> when we come back, I got to talk about a couple things. You know, Danny Hurley gets tossed last night. We got to talk about that. I got some college basketball. College basketball is here. I'm very excited. We are going to rock and roll with some college hoops, including Iowa, Virginia. Man, but I'm going to lead. Give you my thoughts on Danny Hurley getting the boot last night. Be right back. <coughs> getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, coming up at two, uh, 1030, you're not going to want to miss my man Danny Plezak from Major League Baseball Network. The bi Look, let's be honest. I've said this before. I'll say this again. I won't stop saying this. I don't give a damn about Punxsutawney Phil. I don't give a damn about some rodent seeing his shadow or not seeing his shadow at the big of this month. I don't care. What I care about is pitchers and catchers should have reported because in Indianapolis, it's cold. 
if I lived in Naples or I lived in California, Newport Beach, I wouldn't give a rat's ass about, well, pitchers and catchers. I wouldn't care about any of it because it is warm. But Major League Baseball is screwing me because I don't have anything to look to. In my world, understand, I'm from Northwest Indiana. Chicago's right here. We're right here. South side of Chicago goes into the, st- the state line here. Then you got Whiting and Hammond, East Chicago. Gary's right here. Maribel's right next to Gary, okay? Gary is the lake. Starts on 1st Avenue. We lived on 54th. So however south that was. And you always thought, man, when's opening day at Comiskey? When's opening day at Wrigley? Because I never did this because I was chicken blank. But a lot of people skipped school. Now, my brother skipped school. My brother had to fight his way back into school to graduate. I will tell you at some point a graduation story of mine. But anyway, long story short, um, fine. But Major League Baseball, and I want to find out from Danny Plezak, when are we going to be back? When are we going to be back in business, guys on the mound, guys behind the plate? You know that little drill? You roll the ball to first base, pitcher runs over. I want to see that drill on SportsCenter. That drill is important to me. I don't get that drill. I'm going to find out from Danny, when am I going to get that drill, and what is this going to be? And Danny, frankly, is, uh, well, he's the best in the business. He's really good, really entertaining. All right, last night, let's be honest, not the best timing for Danny Hurley. Not the best timing. Look, we all saw uh, what happened with Jawan Howard, right? Greg Gard, Jawan Howard, coach has gone wild. The most fascinating thing for this has been I supported, and I said it was great, and I'll still say it's great, the athletic director at Wisconsin. The athletic director at Wisconsin put out one of the four coaches, one of the absolute greatest, greatest uh, apology slash screw you slash ain't our fault ever, ever, okay? Well, That became a crazy-ass political thing in my world. I don't know what the word doxing means. I don't know what the word gaslighting means. I don't know any of it. I know nothing. Zero. I know I got people mad at me. Listen to this. Unbiased in Dan Dockett's words I've never seen together in the history of the written word. Huh? Knight, Trump, Putin, Lil' Kim, the Urban... The Dockage dream team of tyrants because I said I liked, I liked, I did. I liked the statement put out by the Wisconsin athletic director. How about that? Because I liked that statement, uh, I am in there with Putin. (laughs) Because I liked that statement, I am in there with dictators. I am in there with the worst in the world because I liked Wisconsin's athletic director's statement. Frankly, I didn't have any problem with Michigan's either. I'm not apology guy. I've made apologies. I've had to make apologies. I've made more apologies than any hundred people that you know. I ain't afraid to make an apology. I will make an apology. But I got to tell you, here it is. Here's another guy, Brian. 
You know, I used to listen to your radio show. Now look, this is in, let me see if I can get it to you. I got it. This is an answer. Hold on. To me, I got to unplug this for a second. This is an answer to me liking, saying this is awesome. So here's what this guy says. You know, I used to listen to your radio show every day. I even called in and talked to you. I had no idea your politics were this effed up. He didn't say effed. He said, you know, starts with F, ends with K, and ain't fire truck. Uh, Trump's numbers and the people he surrounded himself with during his god-awful administration are the worst. Uh, you know what I said? I said, that's cool. I said, hey, that's cool. I love the statement by the Wisconsin AD. People have lost their minds. They have gone crazy. All I said was, I like the Michigan, uh, look, I like the Wisconsin AD statement. And I got to tell you, if you've ever coached anything, then you like the Wisconsin AD statement. So you got that. You got Juwan. I would have loved to have seen Juwan apologize to Greg Gard and his family. He didn't. That's on him. I'm not big apologize. I'm not Lord God King, you got to apologize right guy. I apologize wrong all the time, but I apologize. So anyway, fast forward yesterday. Bobby Hurley, Danny Hurley, the coach at UConn, who's the best? I love him. He's insane. He's nuts. But anyway, he gets a technical. They're playing a big game like UConn and uh, Villanova, with all due respect to everybody and their mother, that's a massive old-school Big East game. So he gets a T. He gets a T, and then he goes all uh, to the crowd. Um, here's the debate. So he turns his back to the officials and to the court and goes like this, and, of course, the crowd's going, and, of course, he turns around. Second technical, you're gone. I always say this. People debate it. Well, another coach out of control. I bet you don't crush that coach. Well, a little different than over-the-top slap, whatever you say. But anyway, I get your point. The thing about Hurley is you can't disrespect people in authority. I used to tell Bob Knight this, and on the anniversary of him throwing a chair, I think it's significant. You can't – I used to tell him, coach – that AD, our AD that you just made feel like an ass coming into our locker room just to say hello, has an ego. Your boss, you think you're getting over on your boss. You ain't. He's got an ego. It's going to come back. So what happens? The referees are like, yeah, boop. Now, I got thrown out a lot. I was insane. I'm not going to lie. I was totally insane as a coach. And I look back, I wish I wasn't, but I was. I am who I am. I take whatever the good comes with me, there's bad that comes with me. All right, fine. But having said that, I've always understood that that guy has authority. I better make damn sure I don't cross a certain line. You do, you're gone. Here's the worst part of getting thrown out. At least for me, you're in the, co you're in the locker room. 
Most, when I got thrown out, they didn't have televisions. So I chewed tobacco. So I'd put a massive dip in and walk around in circles. And you would try to hear, I'll never forget at Evansville, you would hear from the crowd what happened, right? Ooh, that means we did good. We're on the road. Yeah, that means we did bad. They scored. It is miserable. Like, miserable. And good for Danny Hurley. He got bailed out by his coaches and his team last night, and I was glad to see it. Coaches did a great job. Players stuck together. Frankly, it's one of those games, ladies and gentlemen, one of those games where you could now see UConn take off. That is a binding game. On our YouTube chat, uh, they said, hey, here's the deal. Um, Don't ever incite the crowd while getting ejected. Uh, Not a bad point. I got thrown out at home against Kent State. Now, Bowling Green was small, 5,000. Literally, you'd walk from here to that screen, and you're kind of in your locker room, so you could hear, and people are throwing stuff. So I had to come back out there, right, and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't incite it, except I did go from the bench that was way over here to the basket that was way over here with my clipboard in a full Bobby Knight march, punched my clipboard, broke it in half, and that's when the that's when it went a little bit. That's when it went a little bit too much. But hey, look, it would behoove coaches for the next uh, week. You're tired. Referees are tired. Players have kind of had enough. Two things coaches need to do. Number one, coach your team. Coach your team. Don't coach the other team. Coach your team. Number two, shorten everything up. If you're a coach out there, shorten it up, man. Hey, you can get done in 20 minutes. What it used to take you two hours to start? No, 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 no. Shorten that thing up. I tell people all the time, when I was with Coach Knight, my first year, I was shocked. Like in Bloomington uh, and in Indianapolis, sometimes you would go to class, it was dark. Uh, you would, you know, hang out, whatever, go to, go to practice, the practice was at three, you get there by two, you know, do whatever, you get out, it's dark. All of a sudden, at the end of the season, you're getting out there and you got another two hours of daylight. It was great. Shorten it up. Understand everybody is frayed right now. Dan, does getting ejected ever really fire up a team? I don't know. I guess. You know, that's a great question, Sean, because today is the 37th anniversary of Bob Knight throwing a chair. And I got to tell you, we lost the game. It wasn't like, boom, all of a sudden we decided we're going to play. There was a kid named Atkinson kicked our ass. And they beat us. I, we won. Yeah, I'd have to look. I know we beat Evans, but I don't think it ever like, Sean, all right, we got to go. But I thought last night, now, UConn did a hell of a job with it. And that's a good culture there. Speaking of cultures, it's a unanimous decision that Gonzaga is the number one team in college basketball. If you look at all the polls, they are the number one team, and it is unanimous. Here's, and that's great. I'm not going to tell you anything other than, hey, look, Mark Few's program is at the pinnacle, and it always is. 
That's why I tell you, if you're going to bet on somebody right now in the NCAA tournament, bet on Gonzaga because they're going to be a number one seed. They're not going to lose. So you're going to have a number one seed. And here's the deal with Gonzaga. I don't know if Bolton can make enough shots, but here's something to watch. And this is one of the first times you're ever going to hear me, if not the only time you're ever going to hear me say this. When things go awry in the NCAA tournament, throwing the ball inside helps. Does it solve it? No. You know what solves things going awry? Hitting three threes in a row. The game has changed. But Drew Timmy and Chet Holgren can go get the basketball. They can get it inside. They know how to play. They can pass it out. They are the number one team in the country, and I'm not betting against them in the NCAA tournament. Let me give you a couple teams. I talked about Iowa earlier. I don't know if you watched Iowa last night. Let me know on the chat board if you did. But if you did, you know what you saw? An ass kicking. Like, with all due respect, and everybody knows, I love me, excuse me, some Tom Izzo. We've had our problems. It only made us stronger. We're men for crying out loud. But you saw an ass kicking last night. I mean, Iowa was not playing. Michigan State, good team, historic team, Hall of Fame coach, came into Iowa City, man, and beat their ass. And I mean beat it like it was their job. Beat it. Man. Woo! Uh, How about this? Hey, Dan, I was at your basketball camp. This is at Indiana. I can still hear Joby Wright telling a kid to get back on the effing sidewalk and Coach Boop telling a kid in films he was so ugly his mama... Oh, (laughs) jeez. The 80s, baby. The 80s. Hmm. But anyway, so long story short, that's where we're at. Make damn sure when you're looking at teams, you look at teams that are going to have kind of, sort of, maybe, clear runs in the tournament. You don't want teams that are going to have to, oh, I don't know, uh, battle through a Memphis as an 8-9 seed. Telling you right now, the only bet that I would make is Gonzaga. Uh, today is, is the 35th, 37th anniversary of Bob Knight throwing a chair. I'm going to ask you guys, on our chat room here. Let me ask you a question. There's 200 of you on our YouTube chat. And there's a couple hundred of you on here. What would the reaction now be to Bob Knight throwing a chair? Now remember, before you lose your mind, we see it in baseball. You see Batch, Gatorade bottles, Lou Pinella picking up, maybe they don't do it anymore, Lou Pinella picking up the base, throwing it. You see guys cleaning the dirt over the over home plate. What would the reaction be? Would Knight have been fired? He was, he was, I think, on the brink of being fired, but you got to remember when he threw that chair, he was only four years off of winning a national championship. That makes a difference. Uh, I don't know, but I do know this. I do know that in this day and age, it's still played. 
it's still talked about. With the Jawan Howard stuff, guess what? They brought back Bobby Knight. They did. All those guys on ESPN, those football guys, the Ryan Clarks that are saying, we are you people to me and Clay and, you know, the 360 guys and everything. Look, they all brought Bobby Knight back from, he's not dead, but you know what I mean, those videos back from the dead. It's still a big deal. The Jawan Howard incident, it ain't going away. Somebody asked me, Dan, I was on a radio show in Michigan. Hey, Dan, how does this Jawan Howard thing go away? I said, it's simple. Simple. Go get a bunch of NIL money. All right? Go get some. Go get NIL money and win a bunch of games. Get a bunch of players and win a bunch of games. You know, we all talked about, and I guess we still do, Virginia losing to Maryland-Baltimore County, right? UMBC. Well, you know when that went away? That went away when Virginia then won the national championship the next year. That's when it goes away. If people don't know this, but the next year, Virginia, with about five minutes, I think it was, somewhere in there to go in the first half, was again losing to a number 16 seed. That would have stayed forever. Somebody asked me, uh, hey, uh, did you, did, did, does, uh, oh, wait, did, would Joby have kept his job? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I do. All right, well, we, I don't know. I, look, it's such a different time. A lot of people say he would be praised. Tanner Hall says this. I asked whether Coach Knight, what would have happened with Coach Knight? Here's what Tanner Hall said. He would be praised for implementing the social distance seating. The man was ahead of his time. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, He'd probably be fired today, Brad said. As for me, I'd laugh just like I did the day he threw the chair. I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't drama for us. And if you go back and look at the video, I'll put it out on Twitter. I'm standing, I'm sitting there on my knees. I'm two down from him. And I kind of just look. And I was the captain. Hey, Dan, what'd you think? I don't know. <laughs> I've seen him do it before. <laughs> no big deal. All right. The great Dan. Oh, they said he'd be raised. Oh, geez. Stop it. Now they're getting into the the race and the gender of the chair on my... My YouTubers are the best, man. They don't mess around. The best in the business, Danny Plezak, Major League Baseball Network. We're going to talk everything. We're going to talk baseball, lockout, Freddie Freeman, basketball. He was a terrific basketball player. We'll talk to DP. Stay right here. Where are you going? Go tell your damn friends. Let's go. Be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
I'm telling you, I've been doing talk radio and now this. I've been doing it for, I think this is going on 15 years. And there is no better guest on anything you want to talk about than Major League Baseball's Dan Plezak. 19 years in the big leagues. Uh, the best analyst of baseball you're ever going to find. The most entertaining guy. Uh, DP, number one, thanks for the time. Number two, can you recant the golf tournament where you're playing with LPGA winners who are playing for a ton of cash and you don't want to be the guy that screws it up when you're playing oh, Dan, with them? This past January, I played the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. So it's the last two years winners on the LPGA Tour. It's their first event of the year. And this year was the first year it was at Lake Nona Golf Club outside of Orlando. And there's some big ticket guys. Henrik Stenson plays out of there. Ian Poulton plays out of there. Uh, Annika Sorenstam plays out of there. So this was put together. It wasn't the hardest course I've ever played, but they made the course tough. They grew the, the rough about three inches around the greens and the fairways. And Dan, what you don't want to do, and I had happened to be in the past, you don't want to be that bad golfer playing with pros that are playing for a lot of cash like I did last year when you're on a par three and you dunk one in the water. And so you don't want to, you know, you want to man up and go, no, I'm not going to go to the drop area. I'm going to hit another one. So you fire another one and then you hit another one into the pond. And now your heart's starting to pitter pattern. You know what? You look like a complete fool and you have like a 150 yard shot. Instead of hitting a wedge or a nine iron, you got a seven iron and you're just trying to bunt that bad boy down to get it on the green. So it's not, a, you feel like, Sergio on 17 at TPC Sawgrass, where it was just one after another in the water. Dan, it's a lousy feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you another thing, Dan. When you're playing, when you're playing in events like that, and it's play your ball out all the way too. Because the celebrities were, you know, they're playing for $250,000 worth of prize money, too. So, you, you know, you could say you're a four handicap, a five handicap. But when you're playing on these kind of courses and the greens are slick and there are no two-foot guineas, then all you have to do is miss one of those two-footers and it's game over the rest of the day. All right, DP, we're back. A little technical difficulties in the basement down here. Hey, uh, you were saying... All right, let me just restart it. Uh, your sense, this is killing me. I got nothing. No deals are being made. What is happening with Major League Baseball okay, right now? Okay, Dan, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, not a labor negotiation lawyer, but a former player that's been involved in a lockout, been involved in a strike in 94 when I was with the Cubs. Season called off, no World Series. That offseason was a mess. I ended up signing with the Pirates. So here's basically where we're at, Dan. The two sides have met for the last couple of days in a row. They're going to continue to meet this week and hopefully meet four or five hours a day. Yesterday wasn't as productive as Monday was. So the gist of the matter is there are a lot of issues. They've agreed on some things. The universal DH looked like it's going to be in play. There's all kinds of other issues that smaller issues on the side that I believe they can get that wrapped up in a matter of a couple of days. The big issues are going to be this, Dan. There are more younger players in the big leagues right now than there ever was at any time with any team. What teams want now, they want young players. They want inexpensive players. They want guys with options that they can call back up and down. So a lot of rosters are cluttered with guys that are two-year and under service time. And what the union, the Major League Baseball Players Union, wants now, they want those guys more 
better paid than they have been up to this point. Now, they felt like they took a couple of steps backwards in the last negotiations. There was a, a draft pick that was attached to free agent signings. It's come back to haunt the players in some ways because if you're not that elite top-level player and you have a draft pick attached to you, those draft picks now, Dan, they're worth as much as gold or money. They're, that's a young, viable productive player that doesn't have a big salary attached to him. And that's what all teams are looking for right now. So I think in some ways the players would like to get something back that they gave away in the last negotiation, which I don't think is going to happen, Dan. I'm trying to be eternally optimistic, but my gut feeling is this. If a deal isn't done by this Monday, the 28th of February, I think the reality being realistic that this season is going to start on time late March, early April. I don't think that's there's any way that that's going to happen because if they get, let's say they come to a handshake agreement on a deal, it's going to take two or three days to get that deal ratified, to get it signed before the players all report to spring training. So best case scenario next Monday, they come up with something. It's going to be either by Wednesday or Thursday, that players can start getting into Florida and Arizona. And I just think we're in real danger this time, Dan, of the season not starting on time. And I wouldn't be surprised. I hope I'm wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes into mid-April, into early May. Man, holy cow. So we're not, you know, they, they talked about spring training not going to start, but you're talking about opening days being canceled. You're talking about all kinds of... What's it's the, gonna be it's gonna any, it is gonna be really hard to get the regular season started on time if they don't come to an agreement in the next five to six days. Is is one of these deals the five year free agency deal? Did I read that somewhere? What's that? That's about? part of it, Dan. But they're also the the luxury tax threshold where the teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Giants, the teams that proverbially spent a lot of money. You know, they don't want to continue. They didn't want to continue to get taxed on that money. And so you've heard the last couple of years where teams are trying to get under that tax threshold for a year, and then they can restart that thing all over again. And the players feel like what they thought was going to be a bonanza of free agent signings, that teams were kind of watching what they were spending. So, Dan, they've got a long way to go before they can hash out an agreement. Uh, they're talking, which is productive. But I'm not really confident and I'm not really optimistic unless something can get done in the next five to seven days. We're looking at probably the season not starting on time. When, when you were involved in this, um, in business, deadlines get results. I mean, is that yes. does, does everybody pretty much agree on the deadline of Monday? Is that. Dan, you, you hit the nail on the head, and that's normally what happens when you're talking about these kinds of millions and billions of dollars that are involved until there's a real deadline. And I'm not sure Monday is the real deadline, but Monday is starting to get to where, okay, we get a deal done on Monday, and it gets ratified by Tuesday and Wednesday. We can get players to start spring training. Now, you've got to get players from all over the world to get to Arizona and Florida because they're not allowed at the facilities right now. The facilities are open, but they're only open for non 40 man roster minor league players. So there isn't a big league player working out at any spring training facility in Arizona or Florida. So it's going to take a few days to get the guys from Latin America, from Japan, 
for the Dominican Republic. It's going to take a while to get those teams there. So now you're talking the first week of March. If you're expecting this season to start on time in April, that's cutting it really close. Danny, you were 19 years in the big leagues. How long does it take? Dan, you know, this is my fear. Uh, My fear is uh, the crazy world of COVID has shown baseball that, hey, if they had to in a pinch, you go back to spring training two years ago, they started spring training, they called it off, they started it up again. Dan, you could probably do it realistically in three or four weeks. And most position players will tell you that it's probably a week too long. But those are the position players that have a team made and they kind of know how many at-bats it takes to get ready. And every pitcher that goes to spring training, you'd like to build in a week where, gosh, if somebody would have a hamstring strain, a light shoulder, elbow injury, where you don't want to put guy on heavy meds like you would during this season. Hey, we got to get you on some anti-inflammatories, get you back on the field ASAP. So it, it takes that buffer and window away. What, what's really going to stink now with this, this, this spring training, Dan, whether it gets done Monday or next week, it's going to be a shortened version of spring training. And it's really going to hurt the younger players, and it's really going to hurt the guys. The 24th, 25th, 26th guy on that roster, you know, the extra outfielder, the middle infielder, that extra relief pitcher, because they're just not going to have enough games and enough look-see to give guys enough of a chance to make teams or not make teams. So I will say this, when this does get resolved, Dan, you're going to love it because there's going to be a frenzy of signing players. Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa is still out there on the market. Clayton Kershaw's on the market. Anthony Rizzo's on the market. When this does get done and teams know what the landscape is as far as salary, salary structure and pay, what they have to do and what they can't do, you're going to see a bonanza like you've never seen getting players signed in like five to seven days. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? It's not – well, I guess it is. Everybody's locked out, so you can't sign anybody. But you don't know what you have to sign them right now, right? And that's that's what I'm trying to explain to fans. You you can't – yes, you're locked out, so you can't sign, right? I mean, that's okay. But you – you don't know how much money you have or you don't know what agreements you can make because the agreement isn't ratified. The agreement isn't done, and that's what they're talking about in, lay, in layman's terms yes. a little bit. Yes, and, and, it, and it, normally what happens in a spot like this, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw, Anthony Rizzo, the top end of the market, Dan, they're still going to get their money because there are going to be teams, once they know what the financial structure is, they're diving in because you have some teams like the Yankees, the Cubs, The Giants want to be relevant again. The Dodgers are always relevant. But you have those big market teams. And a lot of the middle market teams have a lot more money now than they did, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Just the pool of the money from the national TV package from ESPN and TBS, it's just so big. And a lot of these teams have their own networks. So that's, that's kind of what has really generated this new influx of money the last several years. Most teams, like the Cubs, who started the marquee network, have their own station that they broadcast the games on, and it's a money-making machine. And so once they understand what their revenues are and what they can spend and what they won't get taxed on, then I think you're going to see teams. It's going to be fast and furious when this does get settled. 
All right, I want to go to the Marquee Network. You work for them. You work for everybody. Hell, uh, the Marquee Network got off, and it's a rousing success. Cubs are making money off it. Lost to Dan. Yeah, I'm back now, Danny. I'm sorry. Cubs are making money off the marquee network. Oh, boy. Uh What? Uh Uh-oh. Hey, 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 Lee, put another hamster in there. Get the thing going. We got got to get – we got – uh, can I got you hear you, me Dan. now? Yes. All right. Marquee Network. So far, so good. Yeah, li- listen, and they do a great job. And just, they just re-upped Jim Deshays, uh, re-upped for another multi-year deal. Boog Shambi, who they brought in as their new play-by-play guy. Listen, they put a great product on the field. New camera angles. They're very innovative. And, and they have something that's so unique that a lot of teams don't have. Even when they have their road games, Dan, their studios are right there at Wrigley Field where they could do demonstrations during a game. They could take an analyst who's in the studio and walk them across the street from Wrigley Field. And you know as well as I do, there's just something really sacred about that corner of Clark and Addison Street. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to play and a really good place as far as broadcasting. They make it really easy for the people to work for them. They've got a great setup there. Danny, let's get to what's important. Are the Cubs going to sign in? Yeah, anybody? Dan, I think they will. Uh, when, when you go out there and you make a move like Marcus Stroman, something has to go behind Marcus Stroman. So they went out there and got one of the best free agent starting pitchers that's out there. Uh, the Cubs, like a lot of teams, how far are they going to go? How many guys are they going to go? I think the Cubs will be one of those teams because that NL Central that looked like it was going to be so Cub dominant five or six years ago – It's a good division, Dan. It's not a great division. The Cardinals are a good team. The Brewers are a good team. But but the Cardinals and Brewers, the Cardinals are aging. The Brewers, some of their parts are probably better than their players. Christian Yelich, really, the last two years hasn't been the same player. The Brewers starting pitching, though, is the envy of everybody in baseball. And they have Josh Hader in that bullpen. But that NL Central, with a couple of moves, the Cubs could be right in the middle. And listen. I'm trying to look at this in an optimistic way. If this season doesn't start on time where it gets delayed, I think without question, you're going to look at a multi-tiered playoff like we saw a couple of years ago. So if you can get in that playoff picture, which I think there'll be expanded playoffs that are going to come out of this lockout, the Cubs could very well be in a mix for being one of those teams. And once you get in, you have a chance to go deep. What about the Sox? Uh, they're the White favorite Sox. to win the Central. They're, they're just better than everybody right now. They have concerns with their starting pitching. Carlos Rodon, who had a marvelous first three months of the year last year, he's a free agent. He's another one of those guys that's being affected by this lockout. But you look at the White Sox everyday players. That Dan, they, they just have better players at just about every position than everybody in the Central. Now, this is the big if for me. If you believe that Carlos Correa is going to leave the Astros and and if the Tigers are indeed one of the teams that he's going to talk to or might sign with, all of a sudden the Tigers go from a close to being a 500 team. They get Carlos Correa. That might be enough to make them a wild card team. 
but I don't think it's going to be enough for the White Sox. I would say right now, the most probable winner of all six divisions, it's going to be the White Sox. All right, you had, you know, daughter goes to Purdue. Purdue, are you, are you, your daughter, are, are we thinking Final Four this year and who? We are, and I'm going to tell you what, you're, you're the guy that I go to on this, and I will say this, I watched the Kansas game last night. I've been watching college hoops because we're doing an MLB tonight from 6 to 7. I find my home, myself home at 7 o'clock. I'm a big Gonzaga fan, but something tells me, Dan, I like this Purdue team. I, I just think they've, they've got some big guys that can play, this Ivy kid's got a next gear. I had no idea he was from our neck of the woods. But, Dan, I don't know if he's – I look at him now. He's a great player. He's not a great shooter yet. But, man, he can score. And he's got that gear that I think is going to play in that next league. I don't know what you think about him. But when I watch Purdue play and I watch him, it seems like when he wants to take over a game, he can, he's a scorer, not a pure shooter. That's the way I look at him. Danny, he he has a burst. Uh, look, let's be, you were at, you were at North Carolina State when Jordan was there, and I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan because of the toughness, the work ethic, the killer—that's what made Jordan. But he has an ability to get from here to here so quick, anytime he wants against anybody. And I, I'll be honest, I, I think it, I always say this. You know, I live in Indy, I cover the Pacers. If he came to the Pacers as the number one pick in the draft, let's just say for the sake of argument, they get the number one pick, I wouldn't be mad about that. I think he and the kid from Auburn, Jabari Smith, are the two best players. Now, I don't know them. You know what I mean, Danny? I I don't know how tough they are. I I don't know. But I know this. When you watch those dudes talent-wise, particularly Ivy, there ain't nobody better than that kid talent-wise. Got to shoot it better. Uh, you know. Last week, I watched the game against Illinois, and and what he can do in traffic to get in and out of it, he gets the ball at the elbow, and all of a sudden, he, he's like through the lane, and he can create shots. Dan, he's quick off the ground. He is a marvelous player. I, I, I'll tell you what, and, and watching Purdue play, uh, having two daughters that went to Purdue, and you know, I grew up an IU fan. I mean, listen, you grow up in Indiana, and it's Bobby Knight, and you want to wear those red white pants that you were able to watch, but I'm going to tell you, that Mackey Arena, that's a special place to go watch a college basketball game. I want to get, just real quick, I've always said this. Like, the when I was recruiting, I recruited LeBron's high school. And LeBron, and not him, he was going, but he had a burst that you could see. Eric Gordon, when I coached him at Indiana, I mean, there was a burst. Gordon Hayward, I went to see Brad Stevens invited me to watch them practice. And then we were talking, I go, I didn't, that dude has a burst. Like, holy shit. Uh, we've talked about Ivy. In baseball, you played 19 years. Can you describe the same kind of burst? And who were guys that had that kind of burst? Well, the obvious one in my time frame, there was nobody like Ricky Henderson. He he was kind of ahead of the curve as far as stat cast and running speed and, and how quick. He, Ricky Henderson could single-handedly control a baseball game, Dan, and you knew his first at-bat when he walked into the batter's box. If he was locked in, took a couple of pitches, took some swings that you could really tell he was into the game. You couldn't stop him on the basis. And I will say this. I've talked to so many players in the last year and a half, and Dan, they all tell me the same thing, that Shohei Otani is an absolute freak. And I had a guy, Yonder Aranzo, who I work with at MLB, tell me that you know his brother-in-law, Manny Machado, 
they marvel at how big and how fast and how strong. Because I had heard when he first came over with the Angels that he was the fastest guy in the team. And I laughed and I thought, hey, they've got Mike Trout. He has more power than anybody on the team. And I'm like, forget about that. Nobody hits the ball for Mike Trout. <laughs> and, and you know what, Dan? I'm, I'm going to tell you something. That's why I think baseball is the hardest game to evaluate as far as looking at a young player, whether it's high school, college. Now, listen, a mature college player, you go watch a pitcher pitch at Stanford or NC State or Purdue or wherever, and this guy's big, strong. He's what they look like. He throws well. You can tell he's been coached up. You go, yeah, I can see that. But baseball, to me, is so hard. Like, I'll be honest. I saw Shohei Otani. In the, in the Cactus League. I didn't think he could hit. I didn't think he could pitch. I saw him do both, Dan. He couldn't make contact in spring training games. And the games that he pitched, it looked like he was scared to death to throw the ball over the plate. I didn't see any of that 96 to 97. But I will say this. Prior to having Tommy John surgery, he pitched one of the most impressive five innings I've seen the year before he got hurt. His first year with the Angels, a day game against the Oakland A's where it was like watching Dwight Gooden, Brett Saberhagen, Roger Clemens all wrapped in in one, and Dan, he is the real deal. I can tell you this. I, I don't know if he can continue to be this two-way sensation, but there is no doubt in my mind. He's not Scherzer and he's not DeGrom yet, but he's close to, and, that's, and, I, and I'm saying that I don't know much about the game of baseball outside of pitching. I feel like I know pitching when I see it and I watch it. To me, Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in the big leagues. He combines power, speed, pinpoint control. He can spin it. He can sink it. He just has a knack for pitching. He pitches with a little red ass. He just has the whole package. He has the whole nine yards. This guy, Otani, I think if he decided that he just wanted to pitch full-time and dedicate it, think about this, Dan. He goes to the ballpark every day worrying about pitching and worrying about the lineup. And I don't personally, I don't know how he does it, but he's that good. And Dan, I really think he would be the one of the best five pitchers in baseball if he just decided to pitch. That's how good he is. And I get in arguments, Mark DeRosa from our MLB network, he thinks if he gave up pitching and decided to be an everyday outfielder, he'd be one of the top five power hitting outfielders in the game. So he's he's the guy. He's he's that Ivy. It's Shohei Otani. He's the guy right now. It's great stuff, man. You I'm on tonight? tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, Dan. We're doing shows Monday through Friday till this thing gets done. And I'm like you. I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers because like you, I don't like winter either. And I can't wait till they get me on a plane to get me to Florida, Arizona to start covering spring training. What the hell are you talking about every night? What, what, what will be the conversation tonight during uh, the lockout on MLB Well, Network? tonight will be, uh, give you an example, we're going to have a meeting at 1 o'clock, and it could be, hey, what's your favorite bat flip going on right now? Uh, it could be. Now, the problem <laughs> that we have, Dan, is we can't show any footage of current players. So if, say, the, the theme of the show would be greatest pickoff moves, we're going to have to show Bert Hooten from the 1970s we can't show any active players. So if you say, hey, I like this guy, I think Kershaw has the best move. I'm sorry, we can't use him. We can't use any active players. We can use like a full screen and build boards, but we can't show any face shots and no video. Jesus. Yeah. 
I hope this gets solved, my me friend. Too. Thanks for 30 minutes, man. I kept no, you a Dan, long time. It's so good. Anytime. Thanks for have the time, me my on friend. Again. If you want to have me on during the season regularly, let's do it, my friend. You're the best. That's my friend Danny Plezak, Major League Baseball Network. I'm telling you, he's the best that there is. Like, he is so much better than anybody you will ever talk to in baseball. I mean, he just is. And I remember last year I was in on some team. He goes, yeah, he's an, yeah, okay. But let me tell you something. Uh, I like the Braves. He's always right. I uh, got to thank everybody, everybody for today, man. I mean, we had a little bit of technical difficulties down here. First time in a long time, but that's what we're going to have. We're going to be back at it tomorrow. Thanks to Danny Plezak. Thanks to Allison Dillon. Thanks for everything. Uh, my show, if you want to catch more of this, 107.5 The Fan, or you can catch it here on YouTube. My guys on the YouTube chat, Brian and Nick, MRC14, of course, Boiler Up, Hammer Down, Globetrotter, my guy, El Presidente. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Enjoy.